0: Uh, This morning we're continuing with the series that Pastor Steve started last week, and I don't know about you, I've been like super, super excited about this series, and I feel like it's gone longer, even though we're only in week two, because if you remember last week our homework was that we were to read through the book of Galatians each week while we're going through this series, one chapter at a time. I'm not going to have you raise your hands to tell me if you did or didn't do it, but you got a new week to do it. So I have been doing that, and I'm just loving, uh, just loving it. I'm loving reading it, and it gets in your spirit. And there's so much beauty in this series. We're talking about this simple gospel, uh, unchained, that God sets us free through the Word of God. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter 3 and looking at um, how a picture is worth a thousand words. One of my favorite heroes of the faith was a guy by the name of Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. How many wish that was your name? I think that is just like a cool name. My name is Ludwig von Zinzendorf. And it just makes you sound important, you know, just saying the name. But he was a wonderful man. And he was born to a very wealthy family, a noble family. He was Austrian. His father passed away from tuberculosis when he was around six months old. His mother remarried, I believe, when he was about age six. And he went to live with his grandmother um, from their very noble family and was raised. She was a Christian. And it says when you read his history that from a young child, he had a. He fell in love with Jesus. He read his Bible, he would pray. He really had a passion for Jesus, but he still um, you know, didn't have a whole lot of activity in his life in that way and he went to school. And then he had a great thing that happened, I guess when you're part of a wealthy family, you get to do this. He got to have kind of a European uh, trip where he got to travel and see all the beautiful things of Europe. And one day, he was in a museum in Dusseldorf uh, where he had an amazing experience with, with Christ. He was in the museum, and there was a painting there called the, if I can pronounce it correctly, the Echa Homo, and it was by a man named Domenico Fidi. You can look it up online. I've looked at the picture. I almost brought it to you, but it's, it's. Uh, I just didn't bring the picture for you. But if you look it up, it's a picture of Jesus Christ with a crown of thorns on his head, and it was a picture kind of with a, a look of, of longing, and there was a, a inscription below it, and I want to read it to you, that said, I have done this for you, What have you done for me? And Count Zinzendorf is looking at this picture. He's a young man, I believe in his late, uh, in his 20s or so at this time. And he sees this picture and he has an incredible encounter with God, very similar to the encounter that the Apostle Paul had on the Damascus Road. Something hit him. And I've looked at the picture, so I don't think it was just because it was a cool picture. Literally, God was impacting him at this moment. And these are the words that he spoke he said to himself i have loved him speaking of jesus for a long time but i have never actually done anything for him from now on i will do whatever he leads me to do and from that point i would encourage you go online read about the moravians Uh, Count Zinzendorf bought his grandmother's estate and he provided a a place where all of the people that were being persecuted all over Europe to come. And they created a Christian community that literally they say was the beginning of the missionary movement. They sent missionaries all over the world. They actually had something called a hundred year prayer meeting where literally even after his death, people prayed every day for a hundred years on that, on that property and a tremendous impact. It is said that John Wesley, many of you have heard of John Wesley, he had had a similar experience where he had known God as a youth, but had never had that just encounter where he understood what Jesus had done for him. And he was around the Moravians, and they had such a joy of their salvation, which was uncommon in that day and age. And so when he got back to Europe, he traveled to Count Zinzendorf's estate to be with the Moravians, and there had the same kind of encounter that Count Zinzendorf did with Jesus Christ and was just lit up for God for the rest of his life, so much so that if you read about the revival that John Wesley and his brother Charles started in the in the country of England, at the same time in history there was something called the French Revolution. You've probably heard of it. Off with your head! They were uh, trying to bring about equality between the rich and the poor. And in, in in France it was a bloody, just a horrible thing. But in England, because of the preaching and the that happened under John Wesley and the re- revival, England was able to go through it and have the restoration without kind of a bloodbath and actually have a revival in the church. Pretty powerful. All because one man went to a museum and saw a picture of Jesus and there had his life absolutely transformed because he saw what Jesus had done for him. And it's very interesting because the Apostle Paul in these passages that we're going to read in Galatians 3, he brings us to that same kind of of an impacting place. And I want to read it to you starting in Galatians 3. It says, O foolish Galatians, And I think we could probably put our names in there. Oh, foolish Medfordians, or whatever we would call ourselves. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death, hear this, was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own effort? How many of us have been there, done that, bought the T-shirt? We've come to Christ, we start our faith, we're excited, and all of a sudden we begin thinking, okay, I got this, and we start trying to do and live our faith by our own effort, apart from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, when I get there, I almost all well, I do, always, I fall flat on my face. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? You know, the Apostle Paul said something later on in 1 Thessalonians, he said, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with a deep conviction. One thing about the Apostle Paul is that when he had that experience on the Damascus Road, and Pastor Steve referenced it last week, where he saw Christ, he understood that literally in his own strength, in his own righteousness, in his own trying to do what Jesus wanted, and he was trying really hard to live under the law, he had failed miserably. And when he saw Jesus, when he had an encounter with Christ, much like Count Zinzendorf, it transformed his life. It set him on a path that he was never the same. And that's why when he talked about the gospel, that's why when you read the book of Galatians, you find a Paul that is incredibly passionate about what? About the gospel of Jesus. About people walking away from the simple beauty of what Jesus does for you and did for me and beginning to try to do it in his own effort. I think about that because I was a lot like Count Count Zinzendorf, even though I didn't have as cool of a name, in that I I had a real love for Christ as a young girl. I, I received Christ when I was about four years old, and the denomination that I was from, basically you got saved every week. So I went up in every altar call every week, every youth camp, and I loved it. I just, and I I think it's, I just, I wanted to know Jesus, but there was also this part of me that was just like, I got to reach, I got to get there. And then in my, uh, between my sophomore and junior year, I went to a youth camp, and I think that was kind of my Damascus Road experience. That's where I was out, and we had the camp, and I remember walking out in the trees, and God just, he was just there and he impacted my life, and I realized that I needed him. I could do nothing without him, and literally from that moment on, the call of God burned in my heart. You know, we were singing that song this morning, my heart burns for you. You know, my heart burned as a little child, but literally from that moment, I think I was somewhere around 15 or 16 years old, that burning in my heart has never left because I found I need Jesus. I need to walk with him, and it put a picture in my mind of something that I wanted to do for Jesus Christ in my prayer for you. And I know Pastor Steve's prayer for all of us in this series is that every one of us will have a fresh encounter with the gospel, a fresh encounter with Jesus. (coughs) Maybe you're here today and you've never met Jesus. You've never received him as your savior. Well, today's a great day to start the journey. Maybe today you have been walking in your faith for a long time, and, and but yet you need that fresh revelation. Let me just say, don't leave this place today without that, because that's what's going to empower you to go on and do the things that God has called you to. Listen to this quote by Timothy Keller. When we think we can win God's approval through our moral performance and obedience, it becomes a crushing burden. Then we are under law. But when we learn that Christ has fulfilled the law for us and that now we who believe in him are secure in God's love, then we naturally want to delight, resemble, and know the one who has done this. Powerful. My first point today is don't quit looking at the picture. Don't quit looking at the picture. What picture? The picture of Jesus Christ crucified for you and me. The picture of Jesus risen from the dead in power, who has come to save you and set you free. And it's so powerful. It's interesting when we come to faith, and I'm going to go into my next point here as we read the next scriptures, but we have a different kind of accounting uh, of how our righteousness is going to be. You know, my next point is, is that God has a different accounting method, and we have to accept his accounting practices. Let me explain what I mean by that. I think there's two sides of the coin in this. Sometimes we think, if I can just do more good works, better, better, do this, do good, do good, we can kind of like build up our account and somehow please God, and all of a sudden he's going to go, awesome, now you got it, now you're my child. Anybody ever been there, good works? I think the other side of it is that sometimes we feel that we have, we have sinned <clears throat> so greatly We have done so poorly that there's no hope for us and that God's grace can't reach that deep. Both are an error because God's accounting practice is not how good you are or how bad you are. God's accounting practice is have you believed by faith in Jesus Christ? Have you looked at the the risen Savior and have you said, I put my full trust in you? And with that, his accounting practice has come, and I'm going to read it. He puts in your account all of his righteousness. He puts in your account all of his grace, all of his favor, all of his beauty, his healing, his mercy, his forgiveness. All gets in your account. We should get excited about that. You know, I don't know about you. When I look in my bank account, I wish sometimes there was a little more money in there. When I look in my grace account that God has given me, it is abundant. It's full. It's overflowing. Listen to these verses. In the same way, verse 6, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his good works. Is that what it says? Because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, that's us, most of us, right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all the nations, every nation is gonna be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And listen to this, those who depend on the law to make them right. And I want you to hear this. If we depend on our good works or if we depend on a law to make us right with God, we're actually under a curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. The scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith, and I love this line, is very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. Very different. If we try to live under the law, if we try to live under our good works, if we try to live in that manner, what happens is literally we live under a curse. We're not receiving the fullness of what God has. And, you know, as thinking about this, it takes a lot of humility to receive Jesus. It takes humility in both directions, however you are, wherever you are in your're counting. It takes humility if you feel like, man, I'm doing all these great works. It takes humility to bow your knee to Christ. And say, all of my self righteousness is what? It's like filthy rags. It's garbage. That's what happened to Paul. If you read Philippians, he talks about how he was like from the best family and he had kept God's law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had this full account of all goodness that he could possibly muster. And the minute he saw Jesus and he recognized him and realized it was God, what did he realize? I am a sinner. I have nothing, all my good works are like, are like garbage. And so whether you're at that place or whether you're that sinner that says, wow, I am so fallen, I am so fallen, how can God possibly receive me? It takes humility on both sides to do what? To accept God's accounting practice. To accept that you are saved not by works, but you are saved by faith. So that what? So that you can then go on and live. And like Pastor Steve says so beautifully, begin to build that house, build that tower of beautiful life that God has for you. That is great news. It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. Man, as I've been reading these verses and studying on this, I've been getting so excited about the gospel. There's a great evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke, and he's German, and he always goes, it's the gospel. He says it with the coolest voice. I wish I had his voice. But see, as you are reading these verses, let it get in your spirit. What? You're glad I don't have that voice. Okay, it'll be hard to live with me. Do you want tea this morning? You know. What happens once we accept God's accounting process in our life? We receive the blessing and the promise. I want to tell you this. It's too great of a gift to earn, or to deserve. I love that song. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But you gave yourself for me. Oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. It's incredible. Listen to these verses from Galatians 3, verse 13 through 22. We're not going to read all of them, but I'm going to read a selection. Christ has rescued us. Say that with me. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. You were under a curse. I was under a curse because of our sin. And Christ has rescued us. We sang about it today. When he was hung on the cross, he took on himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who was hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised Abraham Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. It doesn't say we who are perfect, we who have done all these, no, it says we who are believers, who have looked at that picture, who have accepted God's accounting practice and now are receiving the blessing and the promise of this beautiful life that God has given us. He goes on in verses 15 through 18 to give a description, kind of an explanation that, that God gave a promise to Abraham, and it was kind of like a, it was a wasn't kind of like it was a covenant, it was like a will. It was a promise to him that was going to be kept for all of us. 430 years later, the law came to Moses, and some people thought, well, that 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 nullifies it. That means, okay, the promise to Abraham now is over. No. What the apostle Paul says is no, and we're going to read about it. That did not happen. The law was was given and we're going to read as a guardian, as kind of a protector for us to keep us held until we could come under grace. But the promise that came to Abraham was for forever. And when you and I accept Christ and we believe by faith, we come into that blessing that we are blessed and all the families of the earth are blessed through us. That's powerful. That's exciting. That's awesome. I can't believe that you guys aren't going, woo, and running around the room with excitement. This is life-changing. This should light you up. Go, uh, woo, all right. This should light us up. This should cause us to not even be able to be quiet about the gospel. That's what happened to Paul. He couldn't shut up because he never stopped seeing Jesus. He never stopped. He remembered. See, do you remember? Remember? The Bible says, remember the pit from which you were dug. I was dug from a pit of self-righteousness, and it stunk. I wasn't a drug addict, I didn't murder anybody with my knife, but I did with my heart. With hatred in my heart, And I'm better, no, it stunk to high heaven. I don't care what prison you came from, a religious prison, a drug prison, uh, whatever prison you came from, the blood of Jesus comes and makes it even at the foot of the cross. And we have to receive the finished work of Jesus Christ, amen, to be saved. He says in verse 18, if the inheritance could have been received by keeping the law, then it wouldn't be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given, verse 19, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. I don't know about you, when I I try to be good, it just shows me my sin, that I can't reach that high. The law was designed to last only till the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was that mediator between God and people. Jumping to verse 21. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we would have been made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Like I said earlier today, whether it's your first time or, like me here, 100th time of receiving Christ, it needs to be fresh. It should bring us to our knees. It, it, it is powerful. He saved us. He rescued us. He freed us. He wants us. He calls us by name. He calls you by name. He loves you. You know, in the Old Testament, people like Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets, they caught this before they, kind of before their time they knew that they weren't they weren't reaching high enough they weren't making it and so something inside of them Paul or actually David said this he said if you marked iniquity if you counted my sins who could stand but with you there is mercy in the Old Testament they began to grab a hold of the fact that they couldn't save themselves and they were looking forward to a time that we live in now when Jesus would come born of a virgin and he would he would come and he would walk as a the God-man, fully God, fully man, and walk without sin. And he would go to the cross for us and he would take the curse that was ours. He would take the full stroke of God's wrath so that you and I would not have to bear it. And he would take that wrath, and he would bear it, and he would die for the sins of the world. He would empty himself, and then what happened? He rose again in victory, and he said, not on my watch, I'm purchasing victory and freedom for you. And what happens with that? The next point is we have the good news that we are children of God. We're not just robots of God. We're not just slaves of God, we're children. We're in his family, he loves us, he named us. We get an inheritance we have refrigerator privileges. We come, we have it. It's awesome. Verse 23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. I love, you know, actually, I love the law of God. David talked about that, Psalms 19, Psalms 119, because it protects you from all the craziness out there. I can't be saved by the law, but I love God's law, I love his word, and once I've received Christ's payment for my sin, then I look, I turn to the law, and I go, okay, I turn to the word of God, and I say, okay, I, I want to obey, because I want that life, but I couldn't be saved by it. I was placed under guard, we were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It was David's guardian, Paul's guardian, all of them until they came to faith. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that way of faith has come. We don't need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. I told the first service, this is me, I get to go to Macy's. (laughs) New clothes, ha ha, women, use this one. (laughs) Pull it out of the Bible, it's in the Bible, new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Woo! That's why we don't stop looking at the picture We receive God's method of accounting and we receive his righteousness. We receive the full blessing and promise that he has given to us. And we get excited and say, I am like that song, I am a child of God. You know, that's why when I'm in worship, I love worship because every time it's a chance, it's a place where I can just thank God for the beauty of what he's done. He has saved me. He is, he has won us. I love, uh, I think it's the man that wrote Amazing Grace, John Newton. He said this. He said, I am a great sinner, but I have a great Savior. Every man and woman of God that really accomplishes something for his kingdom, they have a humble heart, and they never stop looking at the picture. That's a common thread in every person that has a fresh relationship with God is it never? it's not about us. It's always about Jesus. You know, as I close this Uh, One of the commentaries, or one of the histories, that I was reading about Count Zinzendorf called him the rich young ruler, and many of us have read the story. And I believe it's in uh, Matthew 19, Luke 18, and uh, Mark 10 about another rich young ruler. You know the story. He was a young man that was a Jewish young man. He had. He had known, known Christ, or known God, he didn't know Christ. And he sees Jesus, and he comes to him, probably in all of his, re, you know, we knew he was rich, so it must have been the way he was dressed and the way he carried himself, something. Jesus knew he was a rich, young ruler. He came to Jesus, and he wanted to know, and I think he probably said it a little cocky, how do I inherit eternal life? Probably thinking Jesus is gonna go, you already have it, sir. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, well, you gotta keep all the law. And the guy goes, I have kept all the law since my childhood, not murder, not adultery, all the things. He was, he was probably one of the original self-righteous people, and he was trusting in his good works, and he thought that Jesus was going to say, awesome, you got it, you're in, get out of jail-free card, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, and we know if you know the story, Jesus said to him, well, basically, one thing you lack, one thing you lack. I want you to go sell everything you have, and I want you to give it to the poor. Now, lest you get worried, um, that's not how you get saved. And that's not what Jesus says to everyone. But he knew something about this rich young ruler, and he knew that that was the place, that was the thing that this guy couldn't do on his own. Every one of us have that thing or things. You can do all these things on your own. You know, I can do this pretty good. You know, I've been a Christian a long time. It's not certain things I almost could do by rote, and that becomes scary. Because I think, oh, I can do this. I got that. But then comes that thing, that person you got to forgive that's real tough. Or that sin that you committed that you, you can't get, you wake up at night, it goes, it just goes through your head. I mean, whatever that is, every one of us has at least that one thing that we can't, save ourselves. We can't do it on our own. And so Jesus comes to each of us at that place. For the rich young ruler, it was his, his self-righteousness, his belongings. His. And so he said that to the rich young ruler, and unfortunately, different than what happened to Count Zinzendorf, it says of the rich young ruler, he walked away sorrowful. He walked away sorrowful. couldn't do it. I would like to think that later in his life, he came to faith, but we don't know that. We don't have any account of that. All we have, and what Jesus said next, if you read the different accounts, says it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. They, from what I understand, they had like this door in the gate that the, the camel would have to go through and get down. And He said it's like going through the eye of a needle. It wasn't his wealth. It was his inability to bow. At the foot of the cross. I loved, what is that guy, uh, the singer that says, You're gonna serve somebody? Bob Dylan. Everybody has to bow. It's the only way to Christ. Where do we bow? We bow at the foot of the cross. We bow acknowledging that no matter how much good I do, or no matter how much bad I did or do, it doesn't matter. It can't keep me from his love and it can't get me his love. The only thing that brings me right standing with God where I can sing boldly, I am a child of God, is the cross of Jesus Christ and believing in him crucified, his blood. I was singing this song. I was thinking about it the other day. I think I sang it in first service. It reaches to the highest mountain It flows to the lowest valley The blood that gives me strength From day to day It will never lose its power That's what should get in our spirit That's what it means to keep looking at the picture. You get up in the morning, you grab your Bible. Okay. Some days I wake up feeling weak. Some days I wake up feeling cool. You ever have those days you wake up, I think I'm doing pretty good here? But when I look at him, I realize, oh, you're you're the reason. I want you to stand with me. I don't know what's happening to you as I've been in this series already week two, reading Galatians. Can I tell you what's happening to me? I'm falling more in love with Jesus. I understand why they say less of me and more of you. I think we're actually learning a song like that Wednesday. You know, first, first order of business is if you've never met Jesus, man, you don't know what you're missing. Today's the day. He loves you. He died for you. He doesn't care how deep in sin you've been or how much awesome good things you've done. He sees who you really are. And he comes to you like the rich and ruler and says, this one thing you need, you need me, Jesus, not me, Jesus. And I want to invite you today, if you've never made that first step to receive Christ, or maybe you've been walking away from him for a long time, would you raise your hand? We don't want to embarrass you, but we want to pray with you. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. It will change the trajectory, the course of your life and the course of your family. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? We want to pray with you. Maybe you brought someone with you and you can reach over and just ask them. Do you know Jesus? Have you met him? Do you know him? Is there anybody today? Raise your hand. Man, it's a great decision. Okay. If after service you wanna come up and our prayer team will be here to pray with you if you're a little embarrassed right now. Oh, awesome. Woo! Awesome. Awesome. I really think there's more. I think there's more. I, I I feel like there's some of you, maybe you got saved when you were a kid, but you haven't been walking with Jesus. And this is your day. Humble yourself. Man, come on down right now. Just come down. We want to pray with you. Man, if you got somebody next to you, they're a little shy, bring them, bring them down. Man, this is life. This is life. One more minute. Come on. Come on. Okay, we're going to pray the prayer. Can you pray with us? We're so excited. What a great decision. Beautiful. Just pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sins. I couldn't pay it. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. But you gave your life for me. Today, I receive the full payment for my sin and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. If you'll be my God, I will be your servant. If you'll be my Father, I will be your child. I will walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! They're just gonna talk with you a little bit. The rest of us, can we lift our hands? How many want to fresh, you want to see Jesus fresh? You know, life, we get road rash, we get dusty, we get stuff happens, but you know what? That fresh relationship with Jesus, it's life. We're gonna sing for a minute, but I just wanna pray for you, I wanna pray for all of us. God, we just come to you today, and first, what comes out of our heart is thank you. We couldn't earn your love, we didn't deserve it. But you love us, and you love us the same. We're your kids. You don't have favorites. We're all your favorite. And we thank you for your love. God, I pray that a fresh, even as Pastor Steve prayed last week, a fresh revelation of your grace and your mercy, of the beauty of salvation will hit each of us so that we won't be able to keep silent. Lord, we are saying it's a summer of fun, but, God, it's a summer of fun bringing people into your house, bringing people into relationship with you. And God, first to us, let this be a summer where our relationship with you just explodes. As we look at you, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Let's sing this together.